0: This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Plato. It's not easy being green. Frogs have been called the equivalent of the canary in the coal mine, sensitive indicators of the health of our environment. When frogs go silent, something is amiss. So we're going to talk about why frogs are so important and how you can attract them as you do birds to your garden to make it a bit more easy being green. Just what is the froggy equivalent of a bird feeder? Someone who knows is Dr. Itzwe Cavietas Solis. She's assistant professor at Swarthmore College in beautiful Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Science Friday. Thank you for having me. Nice to have you. You study frog conservation. Why do you care so much about frogs?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. So I care about frogs because I love them. Because I think that every living organism deserves our respect and our care. But I think that they're also really undervalued. They're so amazing and I just want everyone to know how cool they are.
0: <laughs> do you have a cool favorite frog?
1: I do. So the a monkey wax frog live in South America and they produce their own sunscreen. Uh, this is a secre- no. Yeah, they're so cool.
0: Their own sunscreen. Yeah,
1: we normally think of frogs that they cannot be in the sun, but they have their own secretions and they can spread it all over their body. And they're just amazing.
0: Well, I talked about frogs being the canary. Uh, are frogs having a tough time right now? How much have their numbers dropped?
1: Yeah, so frogs are declining in number For different reasons, they're one of the vertebrates that are the most threatened, according to the red list in the IUCN. And they face a lot of challenges. They have habitat loss. They suffer from diseases like a fungus that is affecting their health. So there's different ways that we can help them overcome those challenges.
0: Let's talk about that. I want to make my backyard more frog friendly so to speak. I want to I want to make it a toad abode. <laughs> <laughs> how can I how can I attract frogs to my home?
1: That's awesome. So something we can do to attract frogs is make a pond. And these artificial ponds that we can have in our backyards help them because frogs reproduce in the water. So they have a place to lay their eggs and their tadpoles can grow and if you make the pond a natural habitat that is suitable for other species like plants and insects, then the frogs will have a nice place to live and a lot of food mm. that they can access.
0: So I can build a simple one then. You dig a hole, maybe put a liner in there for the water and, and do what?
1: Yeah, so something you need to consider for the liner is that it needs to be not plastic. Plastic get decomposed in small particles, and those particles can be eaten by the tadpoles. And mm. that damage the tadpoles and decreases their health. So you can use something like a a clay liner, and then you can put some rocks in the surroundings so the frogs can bask. Frogs are ectotherms, which means that they need external heat to do their activities. Something else that can help them is using native plants, because native plants don't only help frogs, they have other insects in the ecosystem, and they will give shade to the pond. And prevent overheating, because when the water gets too warm, then the tadpoles will suffer.
0: Right. Do I want to put a lily pad in there?
1: (laughs) I think you could, but I would prefer native species. If the lily pad is native where you live, I think you should go for it.
0: Right. Do do things like pesticides, fertilizers hurt them? Should it be careful of that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So fertilizers have chemicals that also damage the tadpoles and the eggs and the adult frogs because they breathe through their skin. So it's better to use organic fertilizers and the pesticides, besides killing the insects, which are their food, then they also affect the growth of tadpoles.
0: Mm, Interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, if I build a frog habitat like that, what are the odds that a frog is really going to show
1: up? <laughs> That's a great question. After you put all that effort, like, are they going yeah. to show up to the party? <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> so I think that it depends on where you live. Something you can do is use iNaturalist, which is this app that help you find the nature around you. So you can look if there are frogs close by in your neighborhood or your workplace or wherever you build the pond, and then if they're close by, they're more likely to appear in your backyard. Hmm.
0: So they will find it. If you build it, they will they come. They will,
1: if they're around.
0: <laughs> yeah. How do, they, how do they find it? Is it smell or what kind? Do they have special sensors that know where the water is?
1: Yeah. So that's a really good question. So frogs can absorb water through their skin. So they're really sensitive. So they can sense, for example, if it rains or if there is water close by because they need to regulate the humidity in their bodies. So it's not super clear how they do that. There is still research going on to figure that one out.
0: That's cool. What do you wish that people knew about frogs?
1: Well, I just want them to know how cool they are. I think that frogs have been around with us for so many years, like millions of years. And they're still here, and they're so resilient. So I want them to know that they have all these amazing superpowers to do so. Like they can overcome disease and disturbance. And they do that with a permeable skin. Like if I was a frog and I jump in a pond, I will probably die (laughs) Mm. because humans are not that resilient. And then they also are nocturnal. So I want them to know that even though we don't see them, they're there doing amazing things. Like this one uh, that I like has their own sunscreen, but there are others that have different adaptations like some frogs turn blue some frogs have claws that are retractable like a wolverine whoa um so there's so many uh species so they're like the superheroes of the night
0: wow and one of the superpowers they have is metamorphosis that is incredible going from a tadpole to a frog
1: yeah that's one of my favorite things too so their life cycle starts as an egg And then the tadpole is aquatic. And then the adult uh, can go to land. Some of them can even climb trees and glide from the trees. So when you look at that life cycle, you can imagine how life evolved on Earth. Like life started in water, and then we crawl out of water. And now we have all this amazing diversity on Earth. And you can see that happening like in slow motion with a frog just by looking at their developments. Mm.
0: I, I think it really kindled, certainly in me, rekindled interest in me and in and, and, and our listeners, I hope.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. And I think that what we need is more advocates for frogs. I feel like we have a lot of advocates, you know, for pandas and elephants, but I think we need a stronger crowd to help the frogs.
0: There you have it. Thank you for taking time to be with us today.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Dr. Itzwe Cavalleta solis Assistant Professor at Swarthmore College in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. I've got to build a toad abode in my backyard, but you know what? There's another way to help frogs and toads, and that's by lending your eyes and your ears to the scientists who study them. Yep, it's time to reactivate your citizen scientist genes as you have done in the past, and that's because April is Citizen Science Month, so we're kicking things off with a totally cool project called Frog Watch. Here with the riveting information on how you can participate in Frog Watch is Carrie Bassett, National Frog Watch USA Coordinator and Education Mission Manager for the Akron Zoo in Akron, Ohio. Welcome to Science Friday.
2: Hi, Ira. I'm happy to be here.
0: Nice to have you. Let's get right into this. What is Frog Watch all about?
2: So Frog Watch USA is a national citizen science project that we actually go out and we study and listen to frogs and toads and their calls. So we encourage regular everyday people to learn how to identify frogs and toads by their calls alone. And then we go out and monitor and see what frogs and toads are living where and what kind of wetlands they're in and what kind of weather they're calling in. And then we enter all of that information into a national database that's open source for anybody in the world to access so that scientists can use that data to track Hmm. where exactly and when exactly the frogs and toads are calling. So it's a really exciting program that we can use to track the different demographics and uh, habitats that the frogs are currently calling in. And we appreciate the everyday people that join us in this journey.
0: We're talking about toads are okay here too, right?
2: Yes. Yep. Frogs and toads. <laughs> yeah. Frogs. And toads. Give me give me an
0: idea of what a typical frog watching event looks like.
2: So we do trainings where we have people come out and we teach them everything they know, need to know in order to be a citizen scientist with Frog Watch USA. But then, once they're trained, the typical event is that we go out and do observations. And we do our observations in the evening, so at least a half an hour after sunset. So you have to be ready and willing to go outside, you know, a little bit after dark. Um, And then we go to various wetlands all across the country, and we listen to the frogs and toads that are calling. And it's about a five minute total commitment that you have to do in order to do those observations. We do two minutes of just being quiet and letting the frogs get acclimated to our presence in the wetlands. And then the observation itself actually lasts three minutes. And we record the calls of the frogs and toads that we hear along with weather data and location data to go along with it.
0: Can we do a little bit of training here right now? Can we practice a little bit and play some Frog sounds?
2: Yeah, I think that sounds exciting. Wow. Yeah, so this would be a typical probably spring, late spring, early summer evening um, if you're out at various observation sites. So when I listen to that, I can actually hear three different frogs and toads calling to us. When you listen, there is kind of a really short trill that's going on kind of in the foreground, and that would actually be a gray tree frog. And then there's a longer trill sound going on in the background. That's an American toad. And then kind of a little bit further in the background, constantly playing over top of all of the other frogs, you do hear some spring peepers, which are one of my favorites.
0: Mm. Speaking of which, do you have a favorite frog?
2: (laughs) So that's a hard question. I do have to admit the spring peepers are probably my favorite frog. They are... A little small tree frog that is probably one of the loudest frogs that we have here in Ohio. And with their little tiny size and how loud they call, it's pretty exciting. They're also one of the first harbingers that kind of tell us that spring is here. So I know when I go outside and hear the spring peepers, it tells me the good weather is coming around the bend and hopefully we'll be able to celebrate a nice warm spring. So they're one of my favorites.
0: I think there are tree frogs that freeze. Is that
2: correct? Yes. They're probably my second favorite frog. So those are wood frogs. And they're these adorable little frogs, also very small. And they look like they have a little bandit mask on their face. So they have a little black mask that goes across their eyes. But they are the only frog in North America that lives above the Arctic Circle. That means that these guys, when it gets cold, they actually have very special sugars in their blood that allow them to freeze solid. So they turn into little like frog sickles. Yeah. Yeah, Crazy. They turn into little frog sickles and they're able to survive the winter and then thaw out in the spring because of the natural sugary antifreeze they have in their blood. And they're actually being studied um, with the hopes that maybe they can help humans someday when it comes to things like organ transplant, like being able to maybe freeze organs and to move them across the country for transplants possibility. So it's, it's really, really cool.
0: Well, if that doesn't get you interested in frogs, Nothing. Right. <laughs> nothing will. Okay, so let's talk about the Frog Watch. So, so you collect this huge database, yep. right? What can it tell us about frogs?
2: So the big Frog Watch database, because of the different information we collect whenever our citizen scientists go out and do an observation, we collect information about the weather over the last couple of days. We collect information about the weather that is happening during the observation. We collect information about the location of where the frogs are calling, what kind of wetland they're in, where the water comes from, all kinds of fun information like that, as well as what kinds of frogs are calling and how intensely they're calling. Because it's very hard to go out, as you might imagine, and count frogs individually in a wetland. So we actually do a measurement for the intensity of how many are calling. And then all of that is tracked also with the date and time of the observation. So we have a lot of information that you can manipulate and go to our data collection platform, which is called FieldScope, and you can manipulate all that data to find all kinds of crazy things.
0: This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Well, one of the things I'd be searching for is if there's some abnormality in the frog calling in a certain place. I mean, are frogs missing, which, as I said before, is you know usually one of the signs that something's, something's going on in nature.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Frogs are a really good. As you mentioned earlier, they're a canary in the coal mine. They're an indicator species for wetland health. So by being able to track where the frogs and toads are calling, we can actually go back and look and kind of evaluate what the health of that wetland may be doing. Because frogs and toads are amphibians, which means double life. That's what it literally translates to, meaning that they are found part of the time of their life in the water and part of their time on the land. So if anything, we Weird is going on in an environment, they pick up both of that. Um, It also, because they have permeable skin, meaning they absorb everything through their skin, Um, they can pick up anything that's going on in a wetland. So if something bad is happening, it shows up in the frogs and toads first. Mm. So by being able to track them, it gives us an early indicator that something might be going on in a wetland.
0: Carrie, this sounds like a really cool citizen science project. How can people get involved in this?
2: Yeah, it is an awesome project. To get involved, you just need to either reach out to your local frog watch chapter, you can come to the Akron Zoo website, type in like Akron Zoo Frog Watch and you can come to our, our website.
0: This could be like a life-changing experience for people who never thought that they would enjoy or appreciate frogs.
2: Right. Yeah, I do get some people who are like, oh, my gosh, they're just frogs. Like, who cares? <laughs> um, which I think is sad because frogs are just awesome in general. <laughs> but then they'll go through trainings and stuff and they're so interested in all of the different things, like the idea that the wood frog that freezes solid or, you know, the gray tree frogs that actually change color a little bit. But I noticed the biggest change is people that become our volunteers love to also educate other people. I had a volunteer in my own chapter a couple of years ago that said she was out on the trail and these people were stopped and they were like, what's that sound? And it was during the day. She wasn't doing an observation, but she was so excited to stop and identify the frog and tell them about the frog. And the people got really, really excited. Right. I think the educational piece is definitely a life changing piece for most people.
0: This sounds so exciting. Uh, Carrie, I I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today and making us more excited about frogs.
2: Thank you. It's been a great time.
0: Carrie Bassett, National Frog Watch USA Coordinator and Education Mission Manager at the Akron Zoo in Ohio. By the way, if you're looking for more opportunities to explore nature with the kids in your life, we have just the thing. As I said before, April is Citizen Science Month, and we've got lots of fun projects and resources to help you get involved. Check out sciencefriday.com slash citizenscience for information. Let me say that again, sciencefriday.com slash citizenscience.